This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. I want to thank you for listening and for all your support as we at Death, Sex, and Money have made our move to Slate. Your stories, voice memos, and emails have meant so much to the team. As part of this transition, there's a new way to support our show financially at Slate, our new home. And you'll get something special in return. Subscribe to Slate Plus, and you'll not only support our work on death, sex, and money, you'll get access to new benefits, including listening to us and all of the other great shows Slate makes, like Slow Burn and Dakota Ring, without any ads or sponsor breaks. To subscribe, just click Try Free at the top of the Death, Sex, and Money show page on Apple Podcasts or visit slate.com slash DSM plus to get access wherever you listen. Thanks. There's some days where I'm like, wow, I'm the loneliest person on the planet. And there are some days where I'm like, it's okay. Like, I'm single. Life's great. I'm young. I got all the time in the world. This is Death, Sex, and Money. You say, hey, baby, you and me's going on a date. That's in the story. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. Your eggs are dying. Would it kill you to go on a date? And need to talk about more. Okay, what time do you want to pick me up? I'm Anna Sale. It's summer. And for a lot of single people, that's prime time to look for romance. Summer is like a time of adventure. I want someone to adventure with. But dating takes energy. God, it's so exhausting. And patience. I've got a few things going on, I think, but I'm not really quite sure. And in the last few years, a lot about how we date has been changing and fast. Like where you meet people. Tinder. Bumble. I'm also on OkCupid. You could literally be on these apps all day long. And then you don't get any matches. Deciding who picks up the check. It's an expensive hobby. I pay for the first five dates, always. No one's ever bought me a drink. And then there's sex right now. There are a lot of guys like, well, how do I flirt with you? Because now it's sexual harassment. I kind of play it a little coy. I have no conclusions other than read the other person best as you can. And all that change is on top of the challenges that have always been there. Like the grind of putting yourself out there over and over again. Lots and lots of coffee. Lots of coffee. Then I'll go through a phase where I'm like, I can't even. But even though dating is frustrating, you're still doing it. And we asked some of you to let us follow along in real time while you look for love this summer. All my experience tells me dating sucks, but I am a weird, hopeless romantic. And so I'm always like, chin up. 
even though this date sucked, you go on another one, and then you're like, that's one less guy that you have to worry about the next time. Like, who would have thought in a city filled with gay men, it would have been so hard to just have casual sex? Lewis is 33. He lives in Washington, D.C., and he's been single since a three-year relationship ended last fall. For him, even getting a first date feels impossible right now. You know, I match with people, um, and then they'll message me or I'll message them, and then they'll completely ghost. Huh. People just flake constantly left and right. Like flake at what point? Like after, like, initial messaging or, like, something well, scheduled and then bail? Both. You know, I mean, I've I've even been in a situation where, you know, someone's ready to, you know, hook up and they'll give me their address and I'll show up on their door and then they just won't answer. Oh, my God. That's so sad. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. And And I think, too, that there's some inherent racism that exists. I mean, I found it really challenging me being an Asian man, an Asian gay man trying to date in D.C., Um, Because I think that there are certain stereotypes that exist about Asian men in general that we tend to be, particularly sexually, we're very seen as being very submissive. You know, many people think we have small penis. Everyone assumes that we're, you know, a power bottom, and I'm not. You know, I'm really none of those things. And what are what are you looking for? I mean, ultimately, I want a partner. You know, I want someone that I can settle down with. that's, that's sort of what I'm looking for. Um, I just, you know, haven't found that person yet. Um, and that, to me, is what's really frustrating. It's like, I can't even get that first date. When you do go on a first date, what do you do? Oh, God. And I mean, I think I would just be so taken aback by the fact that what's happening. Miracle is 25 and lives in Decatur, Alabama. She moved back to her hometown after college and has decided not to use dating apps. Let's be honest, I'm going to get on there and I'm going to see a bunch of people I went to high school with, and it's going to be really awkward. She says there aren't a lot of young single people around, so she's trying to be open-minded about her options. A lot of my friends tell me I'm maybe too nice. In my mind, I'm like, you know, if they put in the effort and they seem really nice and, like, they're not going to, like, drag me off and kill me and leave me somewhere, then, I mean, I can at least give them a chance. That's some pretty low standards, Miracle. (laughs) I know, I know. This is really embarrassing. So this guy in particular, um, I met him at a gas station. I was, like, trying to pump my gas, and he, like, kept trying to get my attention. And I kept acting like I didn't notice him. I was like, I just want to get my gas and go, get my gas and go. And he, like, came up to me. And so I ended up talking to this guy for, like, 30 minutes. And it was just in, like, you know, I don't know. I didn't know what to do. And I was like, here, find me on Facebook. I'm not giving you my number. And so, I mean, that's probably part of the problem is, like, how I'm finding these people and meeting them. Miracle's also looking to date someone who's Christian, like her. But so far, her church has not been a great source of romance either. One of the older ladies there tried to set her up with a guy. She's like, can I give him your number, have him contact you? I was like, yeah, you know, sure, why not? You know, what do I have to lose? And so I waited and waited and waited. And um, the next Sunday I approached her and I was like, hey, like I never heard back from that guy. And she was like, yeah, um, he went on your Facebook and he saw that like you've like studied abroad, all these different places and that you travel a lot. And he got really intimidated and just said that he just thought he couldn't handle that. And so he just didn't contact me. And I was like, oh, well... 
okay, like, great. Any more options for me? So it can be hard to even get a date. And then when you do, there's the awkwardness of actually going on it. I don't really know the rules, unfortunately. Um, I've kind of been bumbling around. No pun intended. This is a listener we're calling Thomas. I first spoke with him last year in our episode about breakups. At that point, he was 25 and going through a divorce. Last summer, he moved to New York City and went on his first date since he and his wife split up. It was definitely very clearly my first first date in a very long time. How was it clear? It was very long. <laughs> um, it was a good first date, but it was very long. You didn't have an exit plan? For the, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Funny. There were stages, and it kind of led one. It's an, it was There was a lot going on in one thing, and I know now that that's, even if you're having a good time, sometimes it's best to just cut it while you're ahead. Thomas ended up going on several more dates with that woman. But then she wanted to get serious. He didn't. So he broke it off. I didn't want to kind of do what I did last time, which uh, right the last the time before was, uh, oh, this is good. You know, let's lock it down. <laughs> and And this time it was more of a, maybe I shouldn't trust myself so much. Thomas does feel some pressure to settle down again. He's from a conservative Jewish community where divorce isn't common, and he's going to a lot of friends' weddings right now. But he's trying to learn how to take things slowly. I have this tendency to just kind of latch on and not let go, and maybe that's not necessarily so healthy, and I need to consider whether or not this is good for me. I feel a little tired. Thomas is curious about what he'll learn by going on a lot of first dates. But for a listener named Jesse, the whole routine is getting old. I feel like I go out on a lot of first dates and few second and third dates. She's 36 and has been single since moving back to Montana three years ago, where she works as a software developer. When Jesse contacted us, she had just gone on a first date. Um, he was funny. He was kind of outgoing. But at the same time, there were like a few signals that I was like, oh, we're kind of different. Um, he works as like a flooring installer. And so we talked about how heavy carpet is. And, um, and I work funny. in software development. Carpet is heavy, isn't it? <laughs> it's like a it's funny really, first Apparently date. it's even heavier than I knew because <laughs> I've never really lifted carpet before. But apparently it's extremely heavy. Jesse said it was obvious she made more money than him. And that gave her pause. I go back and forth with it. Um, intellectually, there's nothing that I should feel insecure about um, related to me making a good living. But I, I do think there's a little bit of weirdness there. And I think that the weirdness gets amplified the bigger the discrepancy is. What's happened since? You know, he was gone for like, I don't know, maybe four or five days or something. And then we kind of haven't gotten in, like, well, he hasn't gotten in touch with me, and I haven't gotten in touch with him. So nothing has happened. Does that feel okay? It feels fine to me because it felt like it wasn't gonna, it wasn't the right thing. 
Coming up, a listener named Dan is dating again for the first time since his wife died. And he's learning that the rules of dating have changed since the last time he was single. I now have to go and prove that I am not a bad man. Every single date, every single interaction, every first interaction, I have to now prove that I am not a predator. In an episode last month, I spoke with a woman named Lizzie about going on dates with sugar daddies, older men who pay her for her time and sometimes for sex. A listener we're calling Matt sent in a voice memo about being on the other side of that exchange. He started hiring sex workers after a divorce. And for him, the transactional nature of it is part of the appeal. It honestly takes a lot of the performance anxiety away from me. And I'll do my best, um, obviously, to make sure that we're on the same page with everything. But that's never going to be the same thing as me trying to learn her desires and wants and satisfy her and pleasure her um, in, in the same way. Matt says he tries to be a conscientious consumer. He doesn't use escort services. He's found women on Reddit forums in the past. He wants to feel as much as possible like the women he's with are not being coerced to be with him and that they're fully in charge of the money he gives them. You and your partner don't have to have the same reason or desires or looking for the same thing out of sex to fully consent to it. So the fact that money is involved doesn't change consent in any way. But it does change the sex, of course. Uh, Don't think for a second that sex with a sex worker is the same thing as sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend or wife or husband. If you want to share your thoughts or reactions to an episode, send us an email at deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. On the next episode, musician John Prime talks about performing and writing songs for 45 years and what changed after he had kids. I got to say, when I became a father the very first time, I had no idea how much I'd been flying around all my life. Just literally, it brought my feet right to the ground when I saw that baby boy in the hospital. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? 
We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. I'm Shankar Vedantam, here to tell you about a great mystery. That mystery is you. As the host of a podcast called Hidden Brain, I explore big questions about what it means to be human. Questions like, where do our emotions come from? Why do so many of us feel overwhelmed by modern life? How can we better understand the people around us? Discover your hidden brain. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. We have had a lot of exciting new things to share with you about the show recently, but this might be some of our biggest news yet. Death, Sex, and Money is officially going to be live in New York City at the Tribeca Festival on June 11th. And I want to personally invite you to the live taping we'll be doing with the legendary journalist Kara Swisher. If you know Kara's work, you know her ability to get people to tell her things is unmatched. And she does it in her signature, hard-charging way. She's not afraid of things getting a little combustible. I have a slightly different interview style, so we're going to talk about that and play around with that in experimental ways that I think will make this a special show unlike any of our other live shows up to this point. And it's not often that I get to do a live Death, Sex, and Money show in New York, so I really hope to see you there. Whether you're in the city, on the East Coast, or just been looking for a reason to visit New York City, come on June 11th for this show. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash Death, Sex, Money. We are so excited to see you there. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. Dan is a 41-year-old guy who lives in Seattle. Last year, his wife had a massive stroke. After the official terminal diagnosis was given, we had to say, okay, what do we do next? And so Chris and I were sitting one day in her hospital room. She said, you know, I want you to go out and find somebody again, and I want you to get married again. But right now, just I don't have the heart for that. And even though Dan's not looking to get married again, he has started dating. A few months after Chris's death, he reactivated his OkCupid profile. I uh, realized I had to be up front with my background. So I said, my name is Dan. I'm 41 years old and I'm a widower. I'm housebroken. I'm employed. I solve my own problems. Clean my home, do my laundry, you know, cook. I uh, I have a pony, and I have money. And Dan, uh, you sound like a dream man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got an avalanche of interested ladies. I have never seen anything like that. There were so many women piling in that I, after a week, I actually had to shut down my profiles, pull the list down to eight, and work through them all on first dates because I could not keep up with it. And on those dates, Dan noticed that things felt different than they did six years ago when he met his wife. For example, he started seeing a woman. They had fun together. 
And she was looking for a grand, passionate romance where a strong man would come and sweep her off her feet, pursue her, chase her. And with Me Too and Indeed and Sorry, I can't do that anymore. Wait, you know, tell I, me more about that. When you say with Me Too, what would you have done before and, and what do you do now? Well, what, what I would have done before is I would have initiated physical contact and I would have kept going. And she said, whoa, not this. I simply would have switched tactics. That, I don't know how else to say it, so I'm just going to say it. That's standard operating practice. That is what being a strong man is. You pursue and you pursue and you are pursuing and pushing under the assumption that the woman is teasing to to lead you on until she can finally capitulate. And I had to tell her, no, that doesn't work like that anymore now. I can't do that because that puts me at risk. So you felt like she was asking you to sort of still be maybe the more dominant in an, in a, in an intimate encounter. And you yeah. were like, I don't know how to do that and feel like I might not be breaking rules right now. Correct. I have to read every single cue exactly right. Yeah, and not just the verbal cues, the nonverbal cues. If I don't get it right, and hopefully the woman says, whoa, stop, everything stops. Everything has to stop. Otherwise, you get into this gray area where I am suddenly at risk of uh, doing something awful, even if that's not my intention. And why is it, why can't you... Um... Like, have you tried integrating, like, just, like, little consent things, little consent questions in while you, to be sexy? Is it okay if I do this? Do you like this? I do do that, and it gets limited success. It's uh, some women that works really well with. Others get annoyed by the question because the question yanks them out of the moment. It comes from this weird idea that, like, I can't ask, like, oh, would you like to date me? Would you, would it be okay if I kissed you? Because that's not romantic, right? <laughs> Cece is 36 and dating in Sacramento. And I don't know that anyone, male or female, fully grasps that weird, like, gray area of how to be romantic while still being, like, appropriate. She goes on about two or three dates a month. And she says as much as she's hearing men talk about how they need to tread carefully now, that hasn't been her experience dating, especially online. I still get at least once a week nice tits, which I'm like, depending on like when I get that message, there might be a full conversation there because yeah. I will respond back like, um, I'm just curious, does that ever work? Yeah. <laughs> Like, has any girl been like, oh, my God, thank you. Please marry me right now. Like, mm, no. But I also, you know, I'll get guys who will tell me, I think you're very beautiful and I'm attracted to bigger girls. And, you know, my name is such and such. Can we talk? Can I get to know you? I like that. And what's your, do you have like a go-to um, routine when you connect with someone online? Like, what what happens next? 
Yeah, so I I really would like to talk online for at least a week, right? I want to make sure that this is not like just about hooking up because definitely my generation is hookup culture. So that's not me. I'm 36. I did hookup culture. I'm over that. (laughs) So I need to weed that out first. (laughs) And then um, meeting up for coffee. And I like coffee because it's public, You know, if you try anything funny, there's like, you know, 50 other people drinking their Frappuccinos. They saw what you did. (laughs) So I feel safe in that. Um, And then if that if there's a connection there, then we can move forward on other dates that might be like movies or dinner or in more private, intimate settings. Cece is looking for something long term. But for others of you, the goal of dating is not a relationship. I'm not looking for a husband or someone to take care of me. Vicky is a journalist who lives in the Bay Area. And my age, sadly, is 61. But why do you say sadly? Oh, well, that age um, came quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's, um, you know, the slide from 60 to 70 doesn't seem like a lot of fun. Vicky got divorced 14 years ago. Since she ended a long-term relationship last year, she's been using OkCupid and Bumble. But she says dating older guys does come with some hazards. You know, there is a joke that, you know, at this age, women don't want to be the nurse with a purse. Um, (laughs) You know, (laughs) I've never heard that before. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's a thing. (laughs) Yeah, and, and also, you know, a lot of us have... We've raised children, we took care of spouses, and some of us feel like "Mm, we don't want to really get back into a caregiving situation again. And so when you think about your dating life and what's what's in play right now and what you hope for this summer, um, what do you you hope for? Um, Well... (laughs) I'm hoping you have a lot of hot sex. <laughs> oh, that's a really good goal. <laughs> okay. I, I know I sounded sad about being my age, but actually at this age, you're so much more comfortable with your body and you know it better on um, what turns you on and you're not so shy about asking for things. It's kind of like... It's like this is a bone that was thrown to us. Like, okay, you're going to be a little saggy and you're going to be a little older, but you're going to have this going on. And you're like, yay! (laughs) My name is June, and I'm 21 years old. June is a college junior at the beginning of her dating life. Her first relationship was long, from high school into college. But since that ended, she's been going on a lot of dates with both men and women. I'm very methodical. I mean, I usually try and pick the same coffee place, actually. How many first dates have you had at this one coffee shop? I would say at least six or seven, probably. I love that. Yeah. I'm seeing this, like, montage of June with, like, a revolving cast of people on the other side of her table. It does, it does feel like that sometimes when there's, like, you know, it's it's a different person every week. It, it can feel like that sometimes. But I like that it's the, my designated sh- spot, you know? I like that it's my place. June uses Tinder to find dates and to scope out who around her is single. 
If she's out on campus or at a party and she sees someone cute, she'll get out her phone. And I'll drop my radius to like one mile um, and I'll just swipe until I find them. And it has worked actually in the past. I have found people that way. Wait, so instead of, like, striking up conversation, you're like, let me just see if this person is available and looking. <laughs> yeah, I, I have done that. And have you ever had an instance where you realize they're on Tinder and then do you immediately message them? And no. say, look look behind your shoulder or something? I'm, I'm right over here. <laughs> um, no, I haven't done that. I think that seems creepy. <laughs> Maybe the way I do it is also creepy, but it's more roundabout. Whereas that seems like <laughs> they don't know how much you're creeping creepy. on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does it also help you, like, if you see a woman that you're attracted to, to figure out if she's into dating women too? That's yes. That's definitely a big reason why I use it, especially for women. When I talked to June, she had a couple of dates lined up, including one that night. And after a recent birthday, she's venturing out beyond that coffee shop. We're gonna grab drinks tonight. So that's also a new, fun 21-year-old thing that I oh, can do. because drinks are new. Because drinks are new. What do you think you'll order? What do you think is your first date drink? Um, I love cocktails, but I also really love beer, and I feel like a first date drink should just be a beer. Um, so I'll probably, I'll probably order something like that. Yeah, because you want to, like, preserve the option of a second drink without right. getting totally hammered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's June. One of the listeners will be following as they date this summer. And since dating is unpredictable, this series will be too. All summer, we're going to be dropping short episodes into your feed with updates from these listeners. Well, that was interesting. Had a... Really tough conversation with a friend tonight. Turns out we both have crushes on each other. I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. WNYC.